When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Province Force Podcast. Welcome to the White Towel Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Ed Willis. As we double-dipped this week when Ed was on the road with the Canucks on their last uh, short road trip, Patrick Johnson and I recorded a prior episode, so if you didn't catch that, go and uh, subscribe and download, and you can listen to everything because there's so much Canucks stuff to talk about. And Ed, we're going to talk about a lot today. Short to you, that road trip, but I would point out when you're like trying to get from O'Hare to downtown Chicago the day of the game, then get to the game, and all, all, the, all the while crafting this like really creative prose, it isn't really short. Portage of Maine I, 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 from... I, I, like, I'm sorry, I can hear... <laughs> Chicago I just sense the sympathy. I just sense the sympathy no, coming no, over I, the airwaves, I, too. I, I, it's funny. No, no, it's, uh, I was talking about Patrick about it as well because I think for the end of the year, with this being his first year on the beat. And he's done a great job on his Instagram, uh, Patty J on the road, if you're on Instagram, where he's sort of chronicled some of yeah. the great things about traveling, which it, it is awesome. But it's it has its downside as well. Like Patrick pointed out, like, I'm not whining, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, you have to true. preface I mean, you got, everything. Yeah. You know, Chicago and Dallas, two great cities. But okay, I'm going to be that, back guy, to back, I, so gonna be that guy again. But in like an era before the 24-hour news cycle, you really could enjoy some of the cities. You know, yeah. you could get to, you know. I've filed my story to, off, to, I go. <laughs> that's exactly it. You could get to the museum. You could enjoy a bit of the nightlife, go out for dinner with colleagues. I mean, shit, well, like, like when I traveled with the Jets as often as not, I'd go out to dinner with the coaches. And, you know, we'd sit and we'd talk and you'd get great insight and it was understood everything was off the record. We'll try, try, try doing that one in, the, in this day and age. It just doesn't happen. So like so many other things, it's changed. The game's changed so So what much. you're saying is you didn't enjoy a steak and a couple of green beers in Chicago with Travis Green at Ditka's or Well, Harry no, Carey's. but it's funny when you get... Travis away from that frickin' podium, he actually opens up a bit, and there is a personality does he actually there. Smile? No, he does. He's he's a funny guy. As wow, a matter if they fact. ever catch that on camera, well, that's no, worth more than Bigfoot. So we did this whole thing, like he and he he gripes and moans about having to do like in front of the media every day, and they haul him out at like at five o'clock in between the power play meeting and his one on one with Sven Berchi or whatever it is. And I said, Travis, why don't you send out Nolan Baumgartner? I mean, you know, like honestly, we get as tired as you. Uh, as you do of us, and, and he gets he, he turns this into this really funny riff about no, no, Nolan hasn't undergone intensive media training. <laughs> it would be like throwing him to the walls. No, we're going to work on that over the summer, and maybe next season he'll be ready for you guys. I thought it was pretty funny. Well, just just on that point, uh, I remember at the end of last season talking to uh, Jeff Patterson, formerly of this parish, when he, yes. he, he hosted the podcast. 
Um, and, you know, of course, the radio is different. You talk about you just going on trips. We split it up between yourself and Patrick and Ben Kuzma, our Canuck beat writers and the columnist. And uh, Jeff would have to go to every single Canuck game. That yeah. was the deal as him to do that. And he said to me, he goes, at the end of the year, Green would give him looks where he goes, like, I swear, if he could, if he was allowed to punch me, he would have. And this isn't because Jeff is a bad guy. You know, it, it, so segueing that, you know, talking about travel, I like, I mean, so I've done three road trips here quite recently, all, 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 and it's just been J-Pad and me. My mind is blown by that guy. How he manages to concentrate, and because there is a sameness over these last three Canucks seasons where, you know, and when you get to March, but, you know, he's still in there. He's still out there. He's grinding. He's at every availability on top of every story. I, I like, I just like, I, I am sort of in awe of him because I, I don't have that capacity to be interested in every facet of this team. Well, there's a couple of highlights, obviously, but he'll dig down and, you know, he'll, you know, ask questions. Oh, you know, why is, why is Tim Schaller in the lineup and now Biff Lohman or and not Biff Lohman or whatever the story du jour happens to be? Breaking news, Canuck signing Biff Lohman. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we, mm-hmm. we will, we're, now we're going to get into this offseason stuff, but I will say I have a great deal of sympathy for Patterson as well, and that's largely yeah. because he spends a couple of hours in a setting like this getting absolutely yelled and screamed at all the time, and that can't ever be easy. I digress. So let's talk a little bit about where we left the last podcast. Um, and, and it drew a fair amount of traction through social media and people listened to it had very good numbers and that's because you had said so right at the end of the podcast oh, i don't think it's a done deal that benning will be back i think he still has work to do or words to that effect and i think that took me by surprise and several other people by surprise that because i think there's a there's a perception out there that the the blossoming of elias Pettersson and what we've seen in brock besser and we know quinn hughes is on the way is a final fulfillment of his position as a super scout coming in and that he can dine off that for a while you don't get that impression well first of all it wouldn't be the first time i buried the lead in my career so 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 there's that no like <laughs> I, i'm kind of astonished because like you know like, like i've written about this it's been openly speculated upon and on, on other platforms I, I i don't think i i think it's probably i don't know 60 40 70 30 that he is back but I, again, it's just like, like look at look at the facts as they are. You know, this is going to be the fourth season in a row. The Canucks are not only out of the playoffs, but buried deep in the root cellar of the NHL. They go like 28th overall, 29th overall, 26th overall. Looks like they're going to be somewhere between 26 and 24 this year, probably, you know, closer to the 24 mark. So you just that, add that all up, the lost playoff revenue – the track record of this ownership group, and and I think it's fair to do the calculus there and, and conclude that maybe, just maybe, old Jim's job might be a, under under scrutiny this off season, bare minimum. Um, yes, yeah, so what, what you say is true, and, and, and I think also, I think if they finish strongly, I think that'll go a long way. Uh, towards substantiating the program he has in place and the plan and and what's coming, um, but like I said, that's there's, that's an awful lot of twenty seventh place finishes. This ownership is 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 group is looking at, and they're not exactly known for their patience. So it sets up as an interesting off season for me. I, I honestly think it comes down to who they might be able to get. And if they could get if they could get a big sexy name, or if uh, Tony whispers the right name into Francesco's ear this summer, I think I think it's it's entirely conceivable there could be a change. Um, this is kind of a crooked parallel, 
but uh, as you were speaking there, I was trying to remember the comparable in my head, and I, I'm I'm reminded of the Raiders canning Jack Del Rio because they thought they could when they were showing progress because they thought they could get John Gruden. <laughs> Look how that's turned out for the Raiders, and not that they're a model franchise. But I wonder if in some of this thinking is around who might be available for the Canucks. It's like, we're not terribly dissatisfied with the guys mm -hmm. that Benning's drafted and what's happening, but we don't want to miss out on this. So let me ask you, like, I get the sense we know that the Canucks are hosting the draft. We know how much that's going to be used as a platform to sell season tickets, and we know they've got money to spend in free agency. Do you think there's a part of the equation where they're like, this is going to be a massive offseason for us, We've got the draft, and it, it all hinges on the draft lottery, um, but we'll make a strong play to make an even bigger splash, maybe getting a second first-round pick or maybe moving up if they don't get the number one. Then we've got money to spend in free agency, and we don't want Benning to be the guy to do it because we've got, whether it's Holland, Iserman, some other names out there that they're very enamored in. Yeah, no, I, I think that, that all comes into play. Also, bear in mind they haven't replaced Trevor Linden's position uh, and and if you go back or to it, Hennings or, uh, or, or, or Lawrence, the well, they they've got Wisebroad kind of is all those people. Um, but like going back to the summer when I was blissfully driving my electric bike around the the vineyards of France, trying to follow this story. Um, <laughs> so Were when, you there when with they, Linden, they, when, by the way? Well, they they. they <laughs> <laughs> His wasn't electric, but yeah. They, so, you know, they fired Trevor, and, and I believe Francesco's initial response was, uh, you know, we will find a president or, we'll, or you, know, you know, a similar, a similar uh, person to, fit, to fill that position. And then, like, days later, Benning has his press conference. He goes, no, no, it's going to be me, and I'm going to report to ownership. So, again, there's a bit of a vacuum there, um, and it comes back to this question of who might fill it. Uh, and it probably depends on what the structure of the front office is going to be as well. So there's like a lot of moving parts I involved in this. And there are some big names out there. I mean, to me, it comes down to two guys. If you're going to look to make a change, and it's Kelly McCrimmon or Mark Hunter. Uh, th those are the two, you know, they kind of, they're, they're young. There's a shine about them. They're kind of like rising stars, uh, haven't accumulated a whole lot of, you know, battle scars yet. I don't know if those names are sexy enough for this ownership group. I know Ken Holland is. I know Steve Eiserman is. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, like I said, this is going to be really interesting offseason on so many different fronts for this organization. Yeah, it's um, that's where I think in any other year it might just be, well, let's wait and see, and you give them yeah. another 25 games, and if they're not showing progress, that maybe there's a change. But it's just this sense that this could be such a big summer. Um, do you trust the guys that you have there to make those moves? Because you know that pressure comes from ownership. Mm -hmm. You know that there, you, you know, you may be standing on the stage, but there's a certain someone there who wants the spotlight on them as well. Yeah. So that can't, those can't be easy working conditions. No, 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 they can't. And, you know, and, you know, we, we can turn this around inside out, upside down and come at it in any number of ways. Um, Benning's track record, it, it, it's the draft. That that's really it. That that that's the one thing that's you know the one the one card he can play is that look at what we've accumulated here in the last three years, the trades not so much, the free agent signings not so much, the results certainly not so much. I, I, and I think you actually could probably throw the hiring of Travis Green in there as you know a a plus on his on, on his accounting sheet. Um, 
and and, and it's funny like yes the the, the Pedersen draft pick you, that probably in in the in the final analysis is going to buy him another year I think I think but here's the, the other thing I keep thinking of you know if they hit on the uh, you know the, the Jake Vertanen pick and the Ole Ulevi pick the sixth overall pick the fifth overall pick, if they hit on those two picks they're either right on schedule or ahead of schedule right now because those should be impact players and they should be impact players in the lineup right now you know just let me ask you this then because of your historical knowledge and context of the nhl yeah you've got travis green but you also had willie desjardins Mm -hmm. um yeah you've got Pedersen and besser and people still are very hopeful about hughes but you have Uolevi and Vertanen. And again, that's not to say that they can't be important pieces going forward, but where we are right now, not looking as good as those other two. And then you look, start to look at the second and third and front. And I remember hearing how Jordan Subban was a steal. I remember hearing how uh, Castles was a steal and, and on and on. And now this latest crop is, you know, Gadjevich and Lind, et cetera, et cetera. So if Jim Benning is just by that very rudimentary prattling on, as you would say, 50-50, is that, Good enough? Is that fair? Wait, in terms of draft picks? Or no, in just terms in terms of, of his overall performance as a GM, in terms of, okay, one coach didn't yeah, work out, I maybe know, send I you back, I, hire I, another one. Yeah, I don't think you can rate him that highly. I, I really don't. Because you, you, right now, as of this writing, you're talking about really three draft picks. that Actually, you know, you're really talking about two draft picks that we're pretty sure of at this point, and that's Besser and that's Patterson. Thatcher Demko looks like a good draft pick, but you don't know. Quinn Hughes looks like a great draft pick, but we really don't know on that one either. And again, this isn't like, a, you know, a small sample size. This, he's been on the, this is his fifth year on the job. Uh, it's coming up. His, his, his five-year anniversary is coming up. So balanced against that are, you know, the missed Ulevi's pick, the missed Ulevi pick, the missed Vertanen pick, and we don't have time to go into the free agents and the trades, which have all been at best lateral moves. They certainly haven't improved it. And I, I'm sorry, there's one other thing he deserves credit for, and that's signing Troy Statue, who's really had a breakout year this year. So to get a college free agent, you know, who's stepped in and really become a bona fide NHL defenseman, that's that's a pretty good asset for the organization. Um, touch it a little bit uh, from what you saw in this last trip. Uh, it is somewhat comical to me and I did speak with Patrick about this a little bit the last three seasons you said there's a sameness there really is I mean you can talk about surprising starts you can talk about an ebb and flow and probably the Canucks were in it longer this year than they have been before but inevitably they've in the last three seasons they hit this valley take themselves out of it everyone says great we're going to get a high draft pick and then they start winning like what the hell Ed (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like this does spur on. We'll get into a little bit longer the yeah. tank versus non-tank. But what I mean, I, all three years is like everyone goes, "Yep, they're done. Let's see the kids play." And all of a sudden, they start beating people. Well, no, okay, the, the, and I know it feels that way, but it really isn't. It really isn't. I, you know, last year they got a little spike from the Sedines, and and yes, look, I was surprised as anybody when they come back from two wins from that road trip. But again, you know, let's go back to this. You know, they 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 finished third from the bottom one year, second from the bottom the other year. I think it was fifth last year. Going back to the Tortorella tire fire, they were again fifth or sixth from the bottom. Like I'm not sure if they could script a tanking any better. And I know in the feverish mind of the draftists, if they if they really complete the job, 
this inevitably will lead to the Austin Matthews piece or the Nathan McKinnon piece or the whoever piece that will turn this franchise around. You just can't script it that way anymore because like the odds of the lottery draft are so long. Yeah, you're getting a better chance, but I think you're talking about a five-point improvement between, you know, finishing uh, third last and first last. I, I, I should have the numbers, so and I'm sure we'll hear about it if, if I don't, but... I, I think the point stands. You you just can't really rely on, you know, finishing last overall and coming out with that bauble. Now, if they do get light, and wouldn't it be so Canucks, I've said this before, wouldn't it be so Canucks if this is the year they actually win the draft and move up when they're poised with, all, you know, the, the, the year they weren't supposed to do it is the year they do it, which would be, you know, completely in keeping with the history of this franchise. Well, yeah, this time last year, everyone was hysterical over Rasmus Dahlin. That yeah, was the guy that right. was going to turn their franchise, franchise around. And yeah. Everyone is so happy with Quinn Hughes, even yeah. though he hasn't played yet. And frankly, if people had their way and they had a higher draft pick, it was Nolan Patrick or Nisho or Nico Hershey. That's right. So, well, they, Cal McCarr was the guy they wanted, yeah. you know, and they and they were mightily pissed that you know he he went the round before him, and so now they you know they flipped from a defenseman to a center, and again, full credit to them, they rolled the dice on this skinny Swedish kid, who a lot of scouts would have gone, hey, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, God, he's built like an HP pencil. How is he going to survive in the NHL? Well, he's, he's done pretty well. How did you think he played on the road trip? Last week we talked about, yeah. the, about the struggles he's, he's had maybe with the grind. Yeah, he's, he's really uh, impressed me through, and it really goes longer than that. And, and again, it's, you know, we've talked about it. It's the totality of his game and the way he doesn't cheat to create offense. And, you know, yeah, yes, he, he went through a dry spell there. But, you know, what, 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 what I see from him is, you know, like all the things you want to see in a great player is, you know, the responsibility and the battle level and the compete and the yada, yada, yada. And, you know, this is a kid who just turned 20. You know, I think in another two, three years when he gets his man strength, again, we've talked about this before, he's a different player stylistically to Forsberg. But he reminds me so much uh, of Forsberg in, in the way he competes at both ends of the ice and the way he never gives up on a play and things like that. And I think the other thing is uh, Green went on at great length about Brock Besser and how he says this is the best he's played in his two years under Green as a Canuck. And he really is. He he started to really like play an NHL-type game um, and it makes him, he's still very dangerous in the offensive end, but it's just a more complete game. And I think those are really good building blocks going forward. And, and it's one of the reasons why I think, you know, fans can actually, you know, embrace this run that they've been on and, and you know, not be afraid of it. And not be, oh, geez, we're blowing the first overall draft pick. There goes Jack Hughes or Capo or, or whoever it is. I think they need to look at the bigger picture here and maybe some of the developments on the team this season. Yeah, it's it, you know, it is funny when you you contrast the last three seasons. Um and of course last year was everyone was just in this love affair with the Sedines. How have you seen the locker room sort of evolve now? I know I asked you this a few yeah. weeks ago, but without the Sedines there, it has been interesting to see that there is room for a guy like Pedersen to show some leadership as a rookie yeah. and not worry about stepping on people's toes. Certainly Besser as well in a quiet way. Like none of them are real. The the you know the they're certainly more in the Naslin mode than they, mm -hmm. they would have been under some of the other more prototypical Canadian captains you think of. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is the way I look at it, and this might be a really like like false way to look at it, but 
you look at the go-to guys who the media goes to for like kind of perspective quotes for big picture quotes who you know can you can sort of you know take the pulse of the locker room and it's and it's guys like Horvat Troy Stetcher has really stepped up um you know I think Jacob Markstrom is a leader on that team I think he's really well respected. He still doesn't get the media. No, I'm not going to use that word. <laughs> <laughs> he still doesn't get the media part quite as well as he should. But like he shows up and he plays and he battles, and I think he's gained the respect of that locker room. And I think you can you can sort of see the way Patterson and 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 Besser are looking around and sort of yeah, you know, taking stock of all that. So I think those are really valid points. I. I just like I'm kind of marvel at Bo Horvat's season because he's basically played with you and I on his wings, and yet he he's at 25 goals. It's conceivable he could hit 30. Uh, plays this like ferocious two-way game, brings it every night. He's seemingly indestructible. I mean, he's the captain of the team. I don't care if he he's not wearing the C. And I I just wish you know they make what is obvious to everybody. Uh, you know, and turn it into a reality. So, because I, I, I think that really means something. I think there's something like that carries so much weight, uh, both symbolically and realistically, when, when you're wearing that ladder, and it identifies who the guy is, and he is the guy on this team. So, sometimes I feel like, obviously, because of my job and and being associated in various degrees with the sports department here, going back to 1994. Um, you know, I feel like I'm in this giant snow globe and I don't necessarily maybe see the same storylines in other cities. Like, why is the sea here always such a gong show? Like, I even go back to the year Luongo was made captain. It's just, it just seems to have always, I mean, certainly there was stability there when Henrik had it, but yeah. in between, it always seems to be more of an issue. It's, I mean, the year that they made like, who was it? Dan Quinn, yeah, yeah, Petri yeah, Scrico, yeah, yeah. and, well, and how, Barry how about, Peterson. Yeah, how about like, Messier and we'll get exactly, rid of Landon yeah. no, and yeah. So yeah. is it just this market or is it, I know well, there's a bit of a fuss in Montreal about, about yeah. Shea Weber, but Overall, it just seems like it's way bigger deal here than it is well, elsewhere. They, they just seem to miss the obvious over and over. No, I shouldn't say over and over again, but, but, but that's kind of, you know, and, and again, and I think the Luongo thing, and it was kind of typical of the Gillis regime, is like we're, we are way smarter and we're going to do things differently. And, and, you know, they succeeded on a lot of fronts, but but making the goalie the cat like there's a reason nobody had done it since bill dernan sometime during the war years so yeah it's and again this is why it comes back to horvat for for me he's the guy give him the c it's not like you're going to be ruffling any feathers i think everybody in that locker room knows it and there's one thing with this kid you don't have to worry about it's going to his head you know he's not going to turn into a diva overnight just because he's got the c he's got he represents everything you want in a captain that is something i think that's happened here a little too often over the over the years with various gms too is is treating the c like a contract perk rather than yeah who's the leader yeah and you're right this the answer there is obvious Uh, we we referenced Jeff Patterson earlier, I want to reference another broadcasting legend. Um, Very salient point on social media this week from uh, Lee Powell, the old sports talk legend, who ran through who the Canucks were playing on defense on this recent trip to kind of grind in the face of the people who are upset that the team is winning games and saying, Luke Shen, you know, Biega, Sautner, like you're winning with a defense that really is an AHL defense. How much more do you want them to tank? I mean, other than re-signing Neil Belland and Benning coming back to play with his old partner and be the player GM, I'm not sure what else they could put on 
on the ice to try and tank it. Well, no, like this is this is a, it's a remarkable story what they have been winning with. Well, no, I'm, I'm sitting there in Dallas and I'm sitting there in Chicago and watching them. And 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 you're right. Like so, over half the defense have played most of this season in the AHL. And it wasn't like they were really distinguished. They were pretty solid AHLers, but it's not like they were, you know, they just kicked the door down and they're playing so well. You have to, and and the bulldog, God bless him, he spent time in Utica too. And you know, he's. I, I wrote that thing about him today, and there's one thing I love. That, that I thing lo- is a good column by Ed, I, by the way. You should read it if you love writing it. about the bulldog. This is his fifth season, and you know, he arrived as kind of the eighth defenseman in the organization. Uh, spent a year in Utica, worked his way out, and five years later, he's still. Like in a perfect world, he should be the sixth, seventh, eighth defenseman in the organization. But they look around, inevitably one of one of or both of Edler, Tanev get hurt, somebody else get hurt, other guys disappoint, and, and there's the bulldog standing right there. And he's been terrific here since the trade down, since they traded Good Branson. Uh, Luke Shen has given them everything. He's basically what Good Branson was supposed to be. Uh Goodbranson was supposed to be a higher level player, but he was supposed to be that kind of rugged, stay at home, make no mistakes, solidified defenseman. And that's what Chen's been so far. You know, take it one step further and getting ahead of ourselves, but like, you know, Benning has talked about restructuring the blue line and how this is going to be, uh, you know, a target in the offseason. I, I look at it, if you go into the season, and God knows they won't finish it this way, but if you start the season with Edler, Tanev, Stetcher, Hutton, Hughes, and the Bulldog as your six guys, and maybe add another one and push the Bulldog down to the seventh guy, I, I'd be okay with that. Given the alternative of spending $10 million on Eric Carlson, I'd be way more okay with that than trying to force, you know, and, you know, and get that guy in so... I understand when Canucks fans are like very, very leery of what might happen uh, this off season, but that would be the worst case scenario for me. I'd, I'd be perfectly fine going ahead with the group they have and maybe with one addition. The only thing I'd say about that is you're making a massive assumption that Tanev and Edler yes, won't injure themselves. Uh, you know, yeah, that's right. Peeling an orange by, in the off season. I'm, I'm sorry, I got to interrupt you there. We, we were we were killing time, and uh, you know when, when Tanev got hurt again, and Sammy Sallow's name came up, and went through and started going through the litany of injuries again, including rup, rup, did he? It was I believe it was he ruptured his Achilles tendon, ten, Achilles tendon, playing the equivalent of ball hockey yeah. in a gym in Finland. He the, also got bit by, bit by a, a snake. Spider. Yeah, no, it was a spider. Was wasn't a sna- it? I thought it was a snake. No, it's a snake. Uh, playing golf in Finland and like playing golf in Finland is funny enough. Maybe he was bit by a spider and, and a snake. <laughs> so yeah, there, there is uh, there is a rich tradition there. So for, if you get bit by of... a spider, a snake, and get stung by a scorpion, is that the Sammy Sallow hat I trick? I believe it is. Yeah, I believe it is. Uh, he also ruptured a testicle at some point. Yeah, but I'm not sure right. how. Which it... led to and and that I'm sorry that was the other great thing because it led to arguably the greatest quote in Canucks history. Sammy, how are you feeling? The general's okay, but the battalion is down. <laughs> Better than the general being up, I guess. Um, But when you look at this group, is there anyone that, like, taking into account that you just saw three very competitive games, is there anyone in this group who's really played themselves into the equation for next year? Because you're right, a lot of people look at Retool. So much is going to depend on that April 9th lottery, isn't it? Yeah. Like their direction, where they go. But beyond that, you talk about Shen. Are any of these guys really in the mix for next year? Oh, I want Shen to be so badly. It was kind of a 
joke subject between Patterson or Jeff Patterson and I, because like I, 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 he's, first of all, he's a great quote. He's got a great perspective on the game. He understands his limitation, but he also, you know, understands his strength and he plays hard every night. Having said all that, I have a hard time uh, conceiving of that. And they do have the Bulldog under contract for, for another year. So I'm not so sure about that. I am really curious about the next wave, though, because there's there, there are two guys who may be ready sooner rather than later. And, and, and again, I'm not saying they will be ready, but there is some reason to think these guys could be found money for the organization, and that's Jet, Jet Wu and the Rathbone kid who's, who's playing in Har- at Harvard. Jet Wu's had a remarkable season. Um, I, I'm pretty sure the organization isn't in, in a place where they would rush him uh, to get him into the NHL, but I think he's kind of played his way into the picture right now. And, and again, Rath, it's so hard to tell with these college guys because then the Canucks seem to, there seems there's about half a dozen of them that you go, geez, maybe, just maybe, whether it's Tyler Madden or whether it's Will Lockwood or whether it's Rathbone. And, you know, they've had guys like, you know, Adam Gooden in, in years past. Really good prospects with that and a quarter you can buy a cheap cigar. So it, 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 it's an interesting one, but I am curious about both Rathbone and, and Jet Wu, uh, how long it will take and, you know, if they are going to figure into the plans. You know, that's the real shame of the Young Stars tournament in Penticton mm. being uh, cancelled because I could just see Rathbone and Wu playing together and then all the poll questions about do we put them in the Ring of Honor or the Hall of Fame together or do they get separate nights? Um, <laughs> because that Young Stars journey certainly was... Uh, it gave birth to a lot of superstar careers that never fulfilled themselves. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I, I do think that. It, I, I made reference earlier that really where the Canucks land with this draft pick it has never been more important in terms of the direction. So all things being equal, Ed, not saying, well, mm-hmm. yeah, you got Jack Hughes on the table, you have to take him. Is it scoring wingers or is it? more talent on the blue line that you think is a higher priority for this yeah it's interesting so i i mean they figure to be picking somewhere between sixth and ninth right so it's what really interests me is bowen byram the very very good defenseman for the vancouver giants might be in play and then there's kind of a, a um there's a number of, of forwards with the U.S. I don't know if they all played the U.S. National Development Team, but a number of them do. And, and the guy who seems to be getting a lot of traction now, and I'm sorry, I'm blanking out on his first name, but it's Turcotte. It's Alfie Turcotte's son. If old Western Hockey League fans remember Alfie Turco and uh, Turcotte and his great career with the Nanaimo Islanders, but he is lighting it up with the U.S. National Development Team. And then I look at Judd Brackett, who's the chief scout, and he has definitely shown. Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say a prejudice about, about players coming out of that program, but the Canucks have an awful lot of them who've gone through there, whether it's Madden, whether it's Quinn Hughes, whether it's Lockwood went through there. So that that's an interesting one for me. Um, it, it, there'll be a lot of pressure. If Byram's there, there'll be a lot of pressure on this organization to take him. Well, and historically, they've ignored the Giants. Yeah, they have, and to their to their detriment. And there's been a couple of really embarrassing ones. And, obviously, you know, they're, they're, we don't have to, well, Milan Lucic, Brendan Gallagher, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Byram and then Jet Wu, the lefty-righty and things like that, that's that's not bad. So, again, it's, it, 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 it's setting up its... Uh, it, 
I'm just I'm just thinking back over the history of the drafts in Vancouver. And there's there's only been two in 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 my career. The, the 1991, which the I, famous yeah, yeah, Medved, the, yeah, which where they should have set themselves up for the next decade, and yep. they 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 botched it supremely. Medved and then and the, uh, and the Lord, and, so it was uh, it 2000, Was it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's right. Uh, in one a rich draft, and they continually missed on far superior players that, 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 like I said, could have set them up for the next decade yep. and probably would have led to a Stanley Cup win somewhere along the line. And then the two, it was 2006, wasn't it, with the, yep. with the Bertuzzi trade. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's it's kind of, there have been some pretty juicy storylines come out of the draft, and I think this one will be another one. Yeah, you imagine Yager playing with Bure. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, it, it, and it was funny, and and... And I remember talking to General because I like I covered the, I, I was I was a beat reporter then, so I was a little more plugged into you know talking to general managers, talking to scouts. Everybody agreed Jagger was the best player in the draft, but he was still there was still the iron curtain there, and there's this question about how fast they'd come out. So Pittsburgh have steps to wait up. two years for him. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then you're dealing with the federation and payoffs and uh, what a headache this is going to be. The, the, the other one I love though is like with the 18th pick, they take Sean Antosky. The next two players to go are Keith Kachuk and Martin Brodeur. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, it's great man. doing that with the draft. Oh, the reason the I chuckled earlier when you were talking about the Giants is. That front page we did flashed before my eyes that had, you know, how Richard, Gretzky, yeah, yeah. Lemieux, Crosby, Tyler Benson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, talk about, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the backstory as to why that yeah, was our front page. It, it is, yeah, so but it was, yeah. it was someone's specific idea to do that. And he was a prospect. But again, it just shows that. Um, yeah, just, there's no there's no sure thing in the NHL. You kind of have to wait and see when they get there and how they perform to to really know where it's going. And that's where I think this you go back to the to where this team is when you see them playing teams like Dallas and Chicago that mm-hmm. are still in the playoff fight. Um, you saw it on that trip. I don't know what the atmosphere was like in those buildings. So you did touch about a little bit on social media about Chicago and how special the anthem is and everything else. But it has to say something that this team, these players from top to bottom are still competing tooth and nail with teams that are fighting for the an actual playoff spot. Oh, I, I think it's a great testimonial to Green. And, you know, I've always thought that you know, this, it, it's kind of been underreported, but I, I think Green has really put his stamp uh, on this team this year. Now, We'll have a better idea next season when, when, you know, theoretically he will have a better lineup. He should have a deeper lineup. He shouldn't be as dependent on some of the key guys as he is now. But, you know, all those things they talk about, establishing culture and yada, yada, and a style of play, I, I think you can easily make the case that he's established that this season. And that's not nothing. I think, you know, I think, I think in, in the perfect Canucks world we might be looking back on this little run is maybe the an indication that it was the start of something that he had succeeded in in and like I said putting his stamp on this team uh, there, there's no reason they should have won those games there's no bloody reason when with, with the lineup they have but for the most part I can think of maybe a half a dozen games this season and might be more I, I don't think it's a lot more than that where they've just been thoroughly outclassed uh, the two games with Vegas recently, certainly, but but for the most part, on a night in, night out business that you, you, basis, that they've showed up and and they've competed competed pretty hard. Having said all that, um, 
just before we wrap up, I do rec- I remember doing one of these podcasts with you in our old building about three years ago in the old podcast studio we had right next to the washroom where you, if you listen carefully, you yeah. could hear the toilet flushes. Ambient sound. It, it was, was no, fantastic. Yeah. 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 Um, and you always said that 2020 was the year yeah. that this team was supposed to be ready to compete. Now, next year has to be the year, isn't it? I mean, we have seen, you can make an argument for incremental progress. Certainly, if you look at the prospect pool, it's a lot deeper than it was three years ago. But there's no more ifs, ands, or maybes, isn't it? Next year has to be the year that they take a massive step. Oh, I think so, yeah. yeah. And it was January 1st, 2020. So it's it's going to be midway through next season. And then, to me, they really have to show signs that, you know, they're, they're, they're not kind of, you know, they're not teasing. They're not, but they they have arrived. That you know, this team is in place, and and then you start really measuring their their progress in real terms, not in terms of oh geez, I hope we can play meaningful games. But you know, they are a competitive team, bordering on a team that you know can compete in the upper reaches reaches of the NHL, and and I think that's fair. I would have argued. And, you know, I still go back to that that game coming out of the All-Star break where they go in and they finally have their lineup intact. They go in and they beat Colorado 5-1 and they're, they're holding down eighth place. But I remember looking at, at, at the schedule and looking at this stretch of games coming up. And they've got seven in a row at home and a lot of them are against non-playoff teams. And I thought, geez, you know, if they're just, if they're just a couple of points back, I really liked their position, and of course, the next the next night you know, it didn't it wasn't even the next game. It was immediately after that that game, Berchi comes down with a concussion sin post concussion syndrome, and I believe is is it Edler Tanner Tanner or Edler gets hurt the Edler. very next game. Yeah, Edler gets face. hurt the next game, but three games later Tanner goes down, and then it's a shit show, right? Then it's just you know, we're just trying to scrape to scrape together a lineup and survive, which is too bad. But I, I'm still looking forward to these next seven games, just just to see if there really is something there, and, and I think really for the bulk of Canucks fans, the ones who pay to go see the games there. I think they're enthusiastic about it too. I think they want to see what Pedersen and Besser can do. I want. I think they want to see Thatcher Demko playing some games, maybe against playoff teams. I know for a fact they want to see Quinn Hughes, and I'm going to be really, really looking forward to seeing him play at the NHL level. So there is something here. I know it's not what fans wanted, but I, I, I still think this season, by and large, Rates is a qualified success, and if that's damning with faint praise, so be it. Of oh, great stuff, Ed. Unless you have any any other hidden bombshells, no, you want to drop no, I got for next week. <laughs> no, uh, you know, Pedersen refusing to find, sign a contract extension. Uh, Besser, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, no, that'll no. be the next one. No, it is setting up to be a really exciting off season. So there's lots of stuff to, to talk about from here on out. Um, as I said, with them hosting the draft, it's going to be an even bigger stage, and I expect them to make some big moves, and they got money to spend. So it's going to be yeah. a fascinating offseason. I'm sorry, have you, have you assigned the uh, the uh, draft lottery story to Cityside yet? Where they're going to get talk the, to the, the shamans, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah, you know, and the, 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 the native the priests and astrologers, and, <laughs> and Georgia Nichols, and you know, what color hair does Jim Benning have to have? Uh, will it, his eyebrows have to match for it to? We meet the proper Feng Shui, shui requirements. Yes, we're working on that one as we speak. So awesome. uh, maybe we talk about that a bit next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Download, get all this wonderful content every week. Um, we'll be back next time. Thank you.